Thank you, Jesus. Only you can steal. My soul is thirsty, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, this morning. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege to know you. Lord, thank you, Lord, for the privilege to be able to call you my God, my Lord and my God. Thank you, Father, for giving me Jesus. Thank you for your precious Holy Spirit that is with us even today. Lord, we give you all the praise. We give you all the glory. Daily, as we wake up, we remember that you are a faithful God. As we see the sun rise once again this morning and know that your covenant with it has not been broken, we know, Lord, that you are still faithful this morning. So, Lord, receive all the glory. Receive all the praise. Thank you, Lord, because we know that your covenant guarantees mercies for us this morning, guarantees your love for us this morning. Lord, be praised. As we come again into your presence, Lord, uh, bless the reading of your word. As we read along today, we ask, Lord, that you will give us wisdom. You will give us a clear understanding in your word. Let someone be blessed today. Let your name alone be glorified. We thank you, precious Lord. Amen. All right. It's a good morning, good afternoon, good evening to everyone listening in. I am Murphy Eyenike sharing devotion with you. We are reading the book of Joshua right now. Uh, today we will be taking two chapters. Okay, we started Joshua just a few days ago. And here we are already taking Joshua chapter 9 and 10. Joshua chapter 9, we see the children of Israel okay, fight uh, or intend to fight against a, a nation or a small country you will call the, the Gibeon, the Gibeonites actually. Okay, um, but though they come and then they are able to deceive the children of Israel, and we'll see the lessons to learn from here. Because remember, God already warned the Israelites about the reason why He was driving the people out of the land, why He was allowing the children of Israel to take their place. So, yes, the people will will remain. The yes, they will remain and live among the Israelites. And God already warned Israel that once the people stay among them, and then they mingle with them, intermarry with them, they will eventually lead Israel astray. And that is what is going to happen. In Joshua chapter 10, we will see... Um, Kings, uh, several kings, you know, uh, kings from the south, you know, come together, band together to try and fight against Israel. And we ask ourselves, what are the lessons to learn from that? Like I said, the book of Joshua is a book of history, okay? So they tell the history of the many battles that the children of Israel fought as they took the promised land. Yes, uh, big lessons for us today, because remember, um, we are also on a journey with Jesus. We are also on a journey with Jesus, and so we'll have fights on the way. 
But as God fought their battles and won for them, God is able to fight our battles and win for us today. Let's go uh, Joshua chapter 9. The Gibeonites deceive Israel. From verse 1, Now all the kings west of the Jordan River heard about what had happened. Uh, these were the kings of the Etites, Amorites, the Canaanites, Perizzites, Evites, and Jebusites who lived in the ill country in the western foothills and along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea as far north as the Lebanon mountains. These, king, these kings combined their armies to fight as one against Joshua and the Israelites. But when the people of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and Ai, they resorted to deception to save themselves. They sent ambassadors to Joshua, loading their donkeys with weathered saddle bags and old patched wineskin. They put on worn-out patched sandals and ragged clothes and the bread they took with them was dry and moldy. When they arrived at the camp of Israel at Gilgah, they told Joshua and the men of Israel, We have come from a distant land and to ask you to make a peace treaty with us. So, um, before we go on, I would, of course, no one would want to blame the Gibeonites why they deceived the children of Israel uh, they just wanted to live, right? They just wanted to, <laughs> to be alive. Okay, so it was up to the children of Israel to know that they were, they were obeying God in everything that they were doing. So, uh, yes, there's no blame on, on the Gibeonite. Verse 7 says that the Israelites replied to these Evites. So, yes, the, the Gibeonites were part of the Evites. How do we know you don't live nearby? The children of Israel asked them, For if you do, we cannot make a treaty with you. They replied, We are your servants. But who, who are you? Joshua demanded. Where do you come from? They answered, Your servants have come from a very distant country. We have heard of the might of the Lord your God and of all he did in Egypt. We have also heard what he did to the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, King Sion of Eshbon and King Og of Bashan, who live in Ashtoreth. So our elders and all our people instructed us, take supplies for a long journey. Go meet with the people of Israel and tell them, we are your servants. Please make a treaty with us. So, um, sincerely, every single word that they just recounted is true. Okay, so um, it's up to you to determine the definition of far. But everything that they told the children of Israel <laughs> is the truth. And someone said that uh, this is actually the only way to be able to tell a lie and not be caught when you are actually saying the truth okay so <laughs> and that's why they were able to defeat to deceive the children of israel they say we are your servant please make a treaty with us verse 12 says this bread was hot uh, from the oven when we left our homes but now as you can see it is dry and mold moldy 
this wine skin were new when we when we filled them but now they are old and and split open and our clothing and sanders are worn out from our very from our very long journey verse 14 says so the israelite examined their food but they did not consult the lord and that yes was the mistake they examined the physical but they did not consult with the lord they saw everything presented to them the evidence presented to them and the natural thing that the children of israel usually would have uh, should have done oh, so so we just rent the account of Achan, for example, where no one okay, could ever have known what Achan had done. But they could consult the Lord. And the Lord, right there in the midst of millions of people, could eventually point to one man. Okay? So, I should not have been rocket science to have just turned to God and asked if these people were uh, the people they should be entering into a treaty with. But of course, the children of Israel did not ask. And I'm telling you, uh, this will be a one of uh, what you would say, uh, the bound on their neck, okay, that will give them problems later. It says, okay, but they did not consult the Lord. Verse 15 says that then Joshua made a peace treaty with them and guaranteed their safety and the leaders of the community ratified ratified their agreement with a binding oath so when it comes to joshua you know i you you actually see um some of his feelings and shortcomings as a leader you know they are very subtle that if you are not if you were not paying attention you would not know remember the first one right um so joshua like i said was a military leader okay and he was quite good with that when it comes to fighting and all that he was very good but when it came to consulting god um okay the priest part of being a leader that moses was very good with he wasn't so too good with that remember when ai defeated them right you know um if it was moses i'm sure moses would have pointed straight that look the children of israel must have done something you know for god to have you know stopped going with them or even before they left self moses would have said look there is no need going you have done something but in his own case remember where he took the entire story to uh, began to tell god you know why did you bring us across this across the jordan or oh, that you would have allowed us to stay on the other side and all and all to the point where god literally had to scold them get up why are you lying down on the floor you know and it, so this is the second time i see uh, a bit of shortcoming in his leadership you know because um he simply does takes the people at the word. So the people were the one who examined. He says so the Israelites examined their food, but they did not consult the consult the Lord. Um, if because the children of Israel did that, it did not mean that as the leader, uh, he could not have examined their food and consulted the Lord. So yes, that was his own feeling. He made that treaty uh, based on the strength of uh, the recommendation of 
of the children of Israel. And of course, the leaders of their communities rectified it. Verse 16 says, Three days after making the treaty, they learned that uh, these people actually lived nearby. The, the Israelites set out at once to investigate and re and reached their towns in three days. Uh, the name of these towns were Gibeon, Kephira, <laughs> uh, Beroth, and Kiriath Jerim. So, if you take, if you go on a three-day journey, okay, to be able to get to a, to a place, the place is far. Or what do you think? Yes. So, what is your definition of far? That's, that is that is the question. So again, I do not blame the Gibeonite at all. Verse eighteen says, "But the Israelites did not attack the town, the towns, for the Israelites' leaders had made a vow to them in the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. The people of Israel grumbled against their leaders because of the treaty. But the leaders replied, "Since we have sworn, sworn an oath uh, in the presence of." the Lord, the God of Israel, we cannot touch them. Uh, this is what we must do. We must let them leave, uh, for divine anger would come upon us if we broke our oath. Uh, let them leave. So they made them woodcutters and water carriers for the entire community as the Israelite leaders directed again no need or they didn't even bother consulting god joshua called together the gibeonites and said why did you lie to us why did you say that you live in a distant land when you you live right here among us may you be cursed from from now on you, from now on you will always be servants who cut wood and carry water for the house of my god again Joshua had taken the recommendation of the people on what they should do. I am not sure why it was necessary for the Gibeonites to come live among the children of Israel. Even though they made a treaty with them, I don't think it was necessary for the Gibeonites to come and become woodcutters, you know, for the children of Israel. They had more than enough, okay? They won so many battles, you know, are taking, you know, enough people to, you know, to uh, be the ones who do those jobs for them at that time, you know. So why was it necessary, you know, to bring these people to come live among them? So yes, um, some of the shortcomings, but like I said, with Joshua, and they are very, yes, very, very subtle, that if you are not paying attention, you will not see. Verse 24 says, they replied, we did it because we, your servants, were clearly told that the Lord your God commanded his servant Moses to give you this entire land and to destroy all the people living in it. So we feared greatly for our lives because of you. That is why we have done this. Now we are at your mercy. Do to us whatever you think is right. So Joshua did not allow the people of Israel to kill them. But that day he made the Gibeonites the woodcutters and water carriers for the community of Israel and for the altar of the Lord, wherever the Lord uh, would choose to build it. And that is what they do to this day. So every time we read in the book of Joshua and you see something about, um, and that is what is happening to this day, it's not talking about the day we are reading, it's talking about the day, the very scriptures the scriptures were written. All right, so let's take Joshua 
Joshua chapter 10. This one promises to be quite interesting because Joshua actually, you know, with the children of Israel come against uh, this and defeats the southern army. From verse 1 says, Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, add that Joshua had captured and completely destroyed Ai and killed its king, just as he had destroyed the towns of the town of Jericho and killed its king. He also learned that the Gibeonite had made peace with Israel and were now their allies. He and his people became very afraid when they heard all this because Gibeon was a large town, as large as uh, the royal cities and larger than Ai. And the Gibeonites, the Gibeonite men were strong warriors. So King Adonai Zedek of Jerusalem sent messengers to several other kings, Oham of Hebron, Piram of Jamoth, Japhia of Lakshish, and uh, Dibia of Eglon. Come and help me uh, destroy Gibeon, he urged them, for they have made peace with Joshua and the people of Israel. So these five Amorite kings combined their armies for a united attack. They moved all their troops into place and attacked Gibeon. Remember that they were not attacking the children of Israel. They were attacking the Gibeonites. Um, but the Gibeonites were very, very, very smart. Knowing that they had entered into a treaty with the children of Israel, the children of Israel had no choice okay, but than to honor that treaty and come and defend them. Um, so obviously a treaty was just simply a, a form of covenant okay, that binds both nations. Let's go on. Verse 6 says that the men of Gibeon quickly sent messengers to Joshua at his camp in Gilgal. Don't abandon your servants now, they pleaded. Come at once, save us, help us. For all the Amorite kings who live in the ill countries have joined forces to attack us. So Joshua and his entire army, including his best warriors, left Gilgal and set out for Gibeon. Do not be afraid of them, the Lord said to Joshua, for I have given you victory over them. Not a single one of them will be able to stand up to you. Verse 9, Joshua traveled all night from Gilgal and took the Amorites' army by surprise. So one of the things I loved about God and the way you know um Joshua employed a lot of the, his battles uh, did you notice that ev- every single battle seemed to have a different strategy to it so um we saw the case of Jericho they marched around the city you know for 6 days you know once in 6 days every day for six days on the seventh day they did it seven times and shouted the walls of jericho crumbled they took jericho when it came to ai they were supposed to pretend as if they were being defeated but laid ambush behind ai and when ai came against them you know they fled and then when the the men of ai chased them the people laying in in ambush came out took the city and then you know uh just um destroyed um, the men of ai 
now they were fighting five kings and god has given them a strategy he said joshua traveled all night from gilgal and took the amorite armies by surprise so i'm sure they would have gotten information oh no these people will not get here maybe in in two days or in three days time you know and so let's do uh try and finish this uh this job as quickly as possible but god gives you know the children of Israel, this strategy and the strategy work, worked. Verse 10 says, The Lord threw them into panic, and the Israelites slaughtered great numbers of them at Gibeon. Uh, then the Israelites chased the enemy along the road of Beth Oron, killing them all along the way to Az- Azekah and uh, Makeda. As the Amorites retreated down the road from Beth Oron, the Lord destroyed them with a terrible hailstorm from heaven that continued until they reached Azekal. The hail killed more of the enemy than the Israelites killed with the sword. On the day the Lord gave the Israelite victory over the Amorites, Joshua prayed to the Lord in front of all the people of Israel. He said, let the sun stand still over Gibeon and the moon over the valley of Aijalon. So I don't know about you, but if I was in the army fighting these people, uh, you would need to kill me to, fight, to be able to get me to fight, right? Because clearly you had supernatural forces fighting on their behalf and so it should have been clear that there was no way you were going to win this battle against them you know god you know practically uh made the stone the stone stay up all all day you know for them and then hailstorm killed okay uh even more people than than the the children of israel were able to by themselves uh, it's uh, quite remarkable. Verse 13 says, So the stone stood still and the moon stayed in, in place until the nation of Israel had defeated its enemies. So just notice that, okay? That was, uh, this, this is what we call, you know, um, display, displaying the gift of faith, you know, um, for someone to be bold enough, you know, to ask God to say, uh, the stone, the sun does not go down go down that is unusual faith okay but um that was what was needed to win the battle that day for god and and god did it he says so uh is, is this event not recorded in the book of joshua so like i said the book of joshua is a book of history that anyone researching properly okay will find out this since the sun stayed in the middle of the sky and it did not set as on normal days uh, there has never been a day like uh, like this one like this one before or since when the lord answered such a prayer surely the lord the lord fought for israel that day yes god fought for them and um there was no army that was going to be able to to stand against them you have seen see that then joshua and the israelite army returned to their camp at gilgah so what lessons can we take from this see you see god fights god fights for his children fights for those who put their trust 
in him and i don't know whether you are fighting any battle or you have any struggles in your life currently uh, believe god you know call on him to fight your battle and you will see the hand of god move in unusual ways let's run with this he says verse 16 during the the battle the five kings escaped and hid in a cave at makeda when joshua had heard that they had been found he issued this command cover the opening of the cave with large rocks and place guards at the entrance to keep the kings to keep the kings inside the rest of you continue chasing the enemy and cut them down from the rear don't give them a chance to get back to their towns for the lord your god has given you victory over them so joshua joshua and the israelite army continued the slaughter and completely crushed the enemy they totally wiped out the five armies except for a tiny remnant that managed to reach their fortified fortified towns then the israelites uh, returned safely to joshua in the camp at makeda after that after that uh, no one dared to speak even a word against israel then joshua said remove the rocks covering the opening of the cave and bring the five kings uh, to me so they brought the they brought the five kings out of the cave the cave the kings of jerusalem hebron Jamot, Lakshish, and Eglon. When they brought them out, Joshua told the commanders of his army, "Come and put your feet, your feet on the on the king's on the king's neck." And they did as they were told. So, in my mind, this was just a physical expression okay um displaying their authority over the kings okay of of those lands verse 25 says don't don't ever be afraid or discouraged joshua told his men be strong and courageous for the lord is going to do this to all of your enemies then joshua killed each of the five kings and impaled them on five sharpened poles where they hung until evening. As the sun was going down, Joshua gave instructions for the bodies of the kings to be taken down from the poles and thrown into the cave where they had been hiding. Then they covered the opening of the cave with a pile of large rocks which remains to this day so again that's the day this that's the scripture was written let's go on so joshua fights uh, the children of israel continues to fight against more certain certain towns so verse 28 says that same day joshua captured and destroyed the towns of makeda he killed everyone in it including the king leaving no survivors he destroyed them all and he killed the kings the king of makeda as he had killed the king of jericho then joshua and the israelites went to libna and attacked it there too the lord gave them the town and its king he killed everyone in it uh, leaving no survivors then joshua killed the king of libna as he had killed the king of jericho from libna joshua and the israelite went to lashish and attacked it here again the lord gave them lashish Joshua took it on the second day and killed everyone in it, just as he had done at Libda. During the attack on Lashish, King Oram of Geza arrived with his army to help defend the town. But Joshua's men killed him and his army, leaving no survivors. 
Verse 34, Then Joshua and the Israelite army went on to Eglon and attacked it. They captured it that day and killed everyone in it. He completely destroyed everyone just as he had done done at Lashish. From Eglon, Joshua and the Israelite army went up to Hebron and attacked it. They captured, they captured the town and killed everyone in it, including its, its king, leaving no survivors. They did the same thing to all of its surrounding villages, and, jo- and just as he had done at Eglon, he completely destroyed the entire population. Then Joshua and the Israelites turned back and attacked Dibia. He captured the town, its king, and all of his surrounding villages. He completely destroyed everyone in it, leaving no survivors. He did to Dibia and his king just, just, what, uh, just what he had done to Hebron and to Libna and to its king. So Joshua conquered the whole region, the kings and the people of the hill country, the Negev, the western foothills, and the mountain slopes. He completely destroyed everyone in the land, leaving no survivors, just as the Lord, the God of Israel, had commanded. Verse 41, Joshua slaughtered them from Kadesh Banil to Gaza and from the region around the town of Goshen up to Gibeon. Joshua conquered all these kings and their lands in a single campaign, for the Lord, the God of Israel, was fighting for his people. Then Joshua and the Israelite army returned to their camp at Gilgah. Wow, so quite a wonderful read. Why did they win their battles? Because God was fighting for them. It says for the Lord, the God of Israel was fighting for his people. So like I said, I don't know what battles you are fighting today. As we go, God will fight your battles. It doesn't matter the opposition. So one of the things you would have learned here that is that it doesn't matter how many the opposition is. It doesn't matter how great the opposition is. When we come to the New Testament, Jesus said, look, you could be standing right before a mountain quite bigger than you. Jesus said, if you will be able, if you will be confident enough to say to this mountain, be moved and be cast into the sea and not doubt in your heart, Jesus says you will have whatever it is you are asking asking God for. I want us to begin to pray. I want you to ask God to fight your battles today. I want you to ask God to move the mountains, the obstacles that are standing against you in the name of Jesus. Ask him in Jesus' name that Lord, these obstacles go. That obstacle might be a sickness, might be a pain in your body, might be something you've been trusting God so long for. Pray, Lord, at this mountain moves, this enemy goes in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you, Lord, this morning because I overcome every obstacle in your name. Every mountain moves in the name of Jesus. I pray for your people and I ask, Lord, you will fight their battles in the name of Jesus. Lord, every obstacle standing against them, I command moves this morning in the name of Jesus. Lord, where they experienced defeats until now, 
because of the victory in the name of Jesus, I declare, Lord, they win. I declare they come out victorious in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we give you all the praise. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. All right, thank you so much for listening today. God bless you. Enjoy your day.